The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. Hello, I'm Jordan Carmichael of the Modified Rule podcast. I am the DM producer and editor for the show. Modified Rule is a D&D 5e actual play podcast focusing on collaborative storytelling and having fun. We are playing a homebrew campaign in an open living world using the standard D&D 5e rules with a few additional ones thrown in. So we are easy to follow and a great way to learn the basics of D&D. We are not professionals, but we're having a blast making our podcast and we hope you'll come and join our table. You are about to hear an excerpt from episode 31 of season 2. Uh, season 2 is a completely different story to Season 1, so it's a great chance to jump in with a new story, new players, and a new world. And Episode 31 is a particularly, I want to say dark episode. Episodes 31 and 32 were titled Our Deepest Fears, Part 1 and 2. In these episodes, the party had attempted to confront the villain of this story arc. Uh, unfortunately, in doing so, they all fell unconscious and found themselves living out their worst fears. I have selected this particular excerpt because I believe that uh, Twilight, uh, the character played by Maddie, had a particularly emotional experience and I think it really highlights how well our players embody their characters and I think it just came together as a really nice episode. So if you enjoy this, please do give us a listen, but we hope you enjoy. The force emanates throughout the cavern this energy thrumming off the walls and echoing back and striking you in the chest. Lord Carlin sighs in exultation as the blood drips from his blade and runs down his chest. He has come. The water ripples and then goes still. And then you hear a voice behind you. Twilight. The voice feels like it's so close that whoever or whatever spoke it must be they almost feel like they must have their lips pressed against your neck it's that close what does Twilight do? Um, I'll jerk away from it a little bit but also I guess look behind as you spin in that sort of split second where your eyes aren't really focused on anything they refocus and all of a sudden you're not in the cavern anymore you stood on the edge of a forest, looking directly at the Petrichor Observatory. It is just after sundown, in sort of the twilight of the evening. All of the lights in the observatory are out, except for what appears to be a single candle shining through a window that you recognise to be a sort of lounge, sort of recreational area. Uh, do I see any, any movement at all? Other than the flickering light of the candle, no. Um, I guess I'll, I'll walk up and see if I can see anyone or anything. You step towards the observatory, the smells of the forest and the grass and the trees around you filling your nostrils. The sky above is clear and stars shine brightly in the blackness of the night. And as you approach the observatory, would you be going straight for the front door, or would you be trying to like peek in through the window? Um, I'll look through the window first. Okay, are you just going to go up and just look through, or are you trying to be sneaky about it? Mm, I'll I'll try and be sneaky to start with. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Roll me a stealth check. Stealth check. Okay. Do do do. 
Um, am I actually? Yeah, am I wearing my armor, or am I still wearing my stuff from the the party? Uh, you're wearing what you were at the party. Uh, that is <laughs> minus one, uh, a six. Yeah, you you feel like you're sneaking up quite well. <laughs> you get to the window, and you sort of like peek over the edge of the window. And you can see the backs of two people sort of sat in chairs facing into the room, so they have they can't see you at the window, but the candle is casting their shadows across the room. And obviously they're sat in these uh, sort of quite large chairs, so you could just about make out two people, but in this singular candlelight that is casting their shadows away from you, you can't quite make out who they are. But they do appear to be engaged in conversation. I probably, can I hear anything, or is it... Too. Not from outside, no. I'm gonna cry, try and like creep in, I guess, through the main entrance and see if I can not alert anyone to my presence. Yeah, uh, I'll say because you're opening the door, you can make another stealth check because this isn't just like creeping up to the building, you're actively doing something. Uh, 13. Okay, you manage to squeak the door open, it makes a little bit of noise, but not much. And you, as you step quietly into the main hallway, you see. Like from the outside, everything is dark, but the door that leads to that sort of recreational room is cracked open and you can see the light flickering against the walls, casting shadows. And you suspect if you came up, if you went up to it, it's open enough that you could hear the conversation. In fact, from the inside, now that you're through the doorway, you can hear the sort of murmurs carrying throughout the building. Okay, can I, um, as quiet as possible, like go up to the door and see if I can listen in without drawing any attention. Absolutely. Well, the last rule carry forward for this. You oh. sort of creep towards the doorway, and as you get closer, you very easily recognise the two voices. They are Cadence and uh, Charter, two of the. Well, obviously, Cadence being the one who sort of brought you up, and Charter being one of the other members of the observatory. And as you get close, you start to hear snippets of the conversation. Charter is talking about well it's you know it's, it's it's good to be rid of her finally things can get back to normal and Cadence sort of sighs says yes it was getting quite tiresome I can no longer have to pretend to care for the creature she's out of our hair for now hearing that what would Twilight do um oh my gosh she's kind of just shocked I guess just stay there in shock at the moment like what what while you stay sort of sat listening the conversation continues Charter continues on Why? I did say we shouldn't have allowed the men to begin with Kian says yes I know but with a demonic being like that you don't know what sort of curse you could call upon yourselves by casting them out. Better to bring them in and usher them on when they're good and ready. What does Twilight feel when she sort of hears this washing over her? Uh, she feels obviously very shocked. Also betrayed, I think, because she she trusted Kate. She trusted everyone in the observatory, really. Um, they're her family, so it kind of feels um, very yeah just upsetting just really yeah she doesn't know what to do because i feel like 
yeah, she doesn't think she should be hearing this conversation, but also it's that kind of thing where, like, you're watching a car crash and you can't look away. <laughs> yeah. As you sort of sit, sort of absorbing this and, you know, running all of this through your head, you hear one last thing. As Cadence says, well, I can't say I'm surprised the way her mother got on. I wouldn't be surprised if she'd been seduced by some demon, and that's where the creature came from. But, like I say, no longer our problem. At which point you hear someone stand up, and as they blow out a candle, and you're left in pitch darkness. You wait for a second or two, and there's no further sound. Um, oh... Can I? Do they sat? Do they sat? Have they gone to bed? Like, is that the the vibe I've got? Well, you would know if they were to leave the room, they would have had to come through the door yeah, you're listening at. There's why? only one door in and out, but it's just complete. Once the candle went out, it's now just complete silence. Okay, she's so gonna stand, and I'm gonna um, just push the door open. You push the door open and make a step through, and there's this moment of complete disorientation, where. Your foot doesn't land on the hardwood floor of the rec room. It instead lands on soft loam, and you find yourself stood in a forest, hidden away in the shadow and lee of several trees. And you can see just beyond the trees you're behind, firelight flickering, and the voices of your party. Okay, I'm going to try and, I guess, sneak up and listen to them. Okay, give me another stealth check. Nine. <laughs> you step forward and you crack a twig, but in doing so, you startle uh, a little squirrel that was sort of nesting next to you and it rushes through the campsite. Well, rushes along the edge of the campsite. I can't imagine it would run into it. Uh, but you sort of freeze when that happens and you hear... So uh, the party sort of stiffen, but then relax when they see the squirrel run past. And you get just close enough to hear their conversation, and you hear Sinclair sort of pipe up and say, She has been gone a while. Do you think we should check on her, or... And there's like a brief pause, and then in a lower voice, Perhaps it's a good time to move on. Liana sort of... You hear her sigh and say, I mean, yes, while she's out of earshot, if we can pack up quickly, we may be able to get away. Because so you hear stand up and dust himself off. Well, quickly then, the sooner we pack up, the sooner we can move on. If we can cover our trail, she won't be able to follow us. You immediately recognize this as the forest where you met the unicorn. This is whenever you wandered off on your own. Make me a wisdom saving throw, please. Saving throw? Okay, let's have a look. Please, yeah. Do, 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 do. Uh, um, 15. Right, there is like this moment of like what we would, you know, what we would think of as like static, mm-hmm. where there's this moment you're like, hold on, this isn't, and then it just, you lose that train of thought and you're just left standing there with this. <sighs> and you can hear them packing up. And you hear Giliana say, honestly, it's bad enough for you having to travel with her. I have to share a room with her at the inn. 
the incessant yittering and talking. You hear both sort of Cazisal and Sinclair sort of snort at that. It's like, yes, I imagine the rest of the journey will be a lot more enjoyable, a little less tiresome. And they continue to pack their bags and load up to head on without you. Oh, fuming. Um, I'm going to stay hidden for now. Ooh, am I? Yes. I mean, they make very quick work of packing. In the few moments, they've already slung together all of their equipment and you hear Sinclair begin to douse the fire. Yeah, I'm going to see if they'll actually do it. The fire is doused. You're left in darkness once more, and you hear footsteps as they retreat into the forest away from you. Okay. Oh, well, I feel like shit. Um, <laughs> I feel like mm, okay so growing up in the observatory I obviously knew where my place was with all of the people studying and that kind of thing um, but I always felt like Cadence has my back so that definitely threw me and now the people that I'm I think are my friends are just abandoning me I, it's definitely bringing back a lot of uh, the feelings of being unwanted as a child. So Twilight's just going to kind of stay sat on the ground, kind of in the fetal position, just staring. Because um, there's a lot going on in that brain right now, which she can't... She doesn't really have the faculty to process at the moment. So she's just going to be like, what is happening? And like, trying to understand... Like, I don't even know if she's like being logical at this moment like she's just like well i'm alone forever now this is it (laughs) spiraling you lie there in the moss and leaves underneath the lee of one of the trees and you close your eyes just for a second squeeze them tight just trying to maybe push this away maybe not register it as real and when you open them again you're lying at the foot of a grassy hill. It's relatively steep, but not particularly tall. And you can see in the distance at the top of this hill, a silhouette of a figure staring up at a cloudless, brilliant sky, a full moon hanging low and bright and countless stars. The light from the moon hiding all of the features of this person as you can only see their shadowed silhouette from the back. Are they saying anything? Nope. They are stood staring upward to the sky. Okay. Um, gonna stand up. Uh, wipe the tears. Maybe sniffle a bit. Um, and then walk towards the figure. Because I don't know what else like, why am I here? What is happening? I, I don't know. I'm just going to walk towards the, the first semblance of, I don't know, another being as I can see. 
you begin trudging up the hill. Like I said, it's relatively steep, but not particularly far. And as you walk, you adjust to the light and the darkness around you. And as you get about halfway up, you begin to recognize that this person is a tiefling. From the back, you can see long religious vestments. You see a lilac purple skin, a long narrow tail, and pale, pale hair hanging in ringlets down to their waist. And it takes you a split second, but you realize that that hair color is the exact same as yours, just a bit longer. Do I think it's my mum? You tell me. I think I think it's my mum. Um, <laughs> a lot of inner turmoil going on right now. Um, has she seen me? She hasn't moved. The wind sort of whips up every so often, catching her hair and throwing it about her and catching at the hem of her robes, but she hasn't turned round. And you haven't been particularly, I imagine, no. Twilight hasn't been particularly quiet, huffing and puffing, <laughs> yeah, climbing up the hill. Um, uh, but they have not turned round or so much as acknowledged you. I'm gonna slowly walk around so I'm in front of them. How close do you get when that happens? Like, are you getting up and then walking within a few feet of them, or are you sort of staying halfway down the hill and just walking around until you can see their face? Mm, I'm gonna say halfway down the hill, but once I'm once I'm in their their like periphery eye vision, I'm gonna start walking up towards them so that I guess I would end up 10, 15 feet away from them in in their eye line. As you sort of circle your way around this hill you begin walking up towards them and it's initially very difficult to make out their features first of all they're craning their neck up almost looking directly upward mm. at the sky so for the most of the journey walking up the hill you're looking at the bottom of their chin but there is still you still you're getting this very distinct feeling that they have very similar features to you and once you close in those last sort of five ten feet away you realize that they look very similar to you. But again, they're looking directly upward, so you're still not getting a full look at their face because you're still standing a bit down the hill from them. Would you close the last bit of distance? I'm going to... I'll just say, Mom? They don't react. The only sound is the wind whipping and blowing about you. I'll go up and try and touch them, like tap them on the shoulder. As you get within touching distance before your hand can touch their skin, their head snaps down and looks you full in the face. You're now stood inches from them. It is your face with one distinct difference hanging just off of their skin across their forehead are the seven-starred constellation of Sulunae. And she leans in close and whispers, 
you will never be truly wanted. And then just as you were reaching out to them, they reach out a single finger and touch it to your chest and you find yourself falling backwards. And where there was the hill initially behind you, there is now nothing. You begin to fall away into endless darkness. Can you make me a perception check as that happens, please? Yes. God. Ah. Perception, perception, perception. Where is my perception? I'm, I'm losing it. Uh, 15. <laughs> 15. As you slip and fall backwards into this endless blackness with not even a star to guide you, you cast about in panic and fear and take one last look at yourself standing above you. And for a split second, where there was your face with that constellation, there is instead just shadow and gleaming in the depths of that shadow are three red eyes stacked atop one another. And then blackness. <laughs> <laughs>